Hello everyone, I'm Adrian from WebBar and today we have our guest, which is Nicolas Oquet. And he is a coach in the web development area. And we met on LinkedIn several months ago. And now we decided to have a conversation about programming principles and how you can find the best way using those. Yeah, welcome, welcome Nicolas. Hi, hi Adrian. Thank you for having me. I'm actually really excited. I'm happy to have you here. So what are you doing exactly? Well, currently I'm still employed, so I still have a full-time job and I'm an R&D IoT engineer. So that's a, that's a mouthful actually. But uh, what that means is I work for a telematics company, right? So we put devices in big machines for fleet management. And so it's a very versatile job. We do research. We look into different solutions, different electronical solutions. We code proof of concepts. We code tools in different languages. So that's what I'm doing right now. And it's actually pretty neat. And after hours, I have my own project, which is about coding. Yeah, where I try to coach people into the software business. And how did you become a, a coach for programmers then? So what was your intention? What was the motivation for that? Well, it's it's actually something that I've always wanted to do. So during my career, I've been a software programmer for about 14 years. And so during my career, I found it neat and cool to help people get started, right? Talking about interns and whatnot. There haven't been that many interns, but I always enjoyed helping them, getting them up to speed. And so during COVID, you know, where everybody was working from home and mm. you know, nobody was actually doing anything else that was interesting, <laughs> yeah, I actually came across a woman on LinkedIn and she was looking for personal coaching. So she just had finished a boot camp and she would start her new job in, in, I think, in two months. And she felt like she didn't know enough yet. And so she was wondering if there was somebody out there who could help her. And I was thinking like, okay, I mean, why not? I still have my full-time job, but, you know, I've always wanted to do this, so why not? And so for about one month and a half, every evening after hours, we sat together, set up a Zoom call. And so, uh, yeah, I coached her. I set up a learning plan, discussed it with her. So I asked what you want to learn, where you want to be. And uh, yeah, we managed to do it. And she was very happy. I was very happy. I really felt like I had helped somebody, right? Mm -hmm. And that felt really nice. And so I was thinking, hey, maybe I should be doing more of this. And uh, after her, there were a couple more people that uh, wanted some help. And so uh, I coached them. And then I was thinking, I mean, this one-on-one -on -one coaching is, is, you know, it's really nice, but there's only so many people you can help out. And so, yeah, I was already working on a course. And so yeah, I started promoting my course on design principles a bit more. But uh, yeah, that, that's actually how I got into coaching. It's the idea that I want to help people getting to software development and making their next steps in their career. That's actually a great thing. And what's, what's another great side effect is the more you teach, the more you learn. So actually the best way to learn is to teach. And this makes you the more valuable for in the future for 
newcoming students for you, for example. So you, you mentioned boot camps before we really get into the questions. I see them lately. So we even had, we even recruited some, someone of a, of a boot camp. So what is your view on the graduates from boot camps these days? So in just in comparison with a traditional junior coming from some kind of CS degree or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I came from the traditional educational parts. And so honestly, when you come from school as a software developer, you know how to code, you know how to type in a certain language. Mm -hmm. And that's basically it. Maybe you had some extras like database management and some theory on, for example, transactions and whatnot, you know, the theoretical stuff that's valuable as a software developer, which you maybe not have in a bootcamp. However, on the other hand, I've lately been reviewing code from people who come from a bootcamp. Mm. Yeah, on LinkedIn, I just pick them out, pick out the interesting ones and just ask if they're interested in a review. And I must say, I'm actually, how should I put it, very positive about what people learn in bootcamps. I admire what they can already do, right? It goes beyond the simple CRUD applications. They know so much. And so my take on bootcamps is, I mean, if you're considering a career in software development, I would definitely do a bootcamp. Like I'm 38 years right now, supposedly mm -hmm. that I was a teacher or something else, and I wanted to do software development. I wouldn't go for traditional. I would go for a bootcamp. So this is what I can say to that as well. So. Our developer was very practical. We could just basically use them from day one on. Onboarding was very easy. On some point, it lacked in those theory things, like those principles and what we want to talk about today. Let's say design architecture. Those things were basically something they don't know about. It seems that they don't know about that, but especially on the practical part, where you expect juniors to be anyway, they are already pretty good. So let's say in, in my experience in the companies I work with, is the architectural part something which the seniors do anyway? So I think it's a good point, and I think people should give more credibility and chances to graduates from boot camps. So th thank you very much for your insights about that. And let's, let's go to the questions. So we want to talk about programming principles today. What are those programming principles? That's a good question, actually. So what they are, there's some very common principles that if you're in software development, you must have heard of them. For example, solid, right? Dry. Yagni is also one that's very popular. Dry, for for example, stands for don't repeat yourself. Yagni is you ain't going to need it. Um, these are things that you've definitely heard about. Other ones are like grasp, which is less popular. Separation of concerns. These are all principles. I just, you know, spit firing some. But what they are, basically, is just best practices and lessons learned from developers over time, right? Mankind is developing software for a few decades now. I think they've been producing software since 1950 or 60s or something like that. And so what's astonishing is that at that time, they had the same problems as we have today. For example, low productivity, damage caused by low quality software and bugs. Yes, stuff like that. And so what happens is, I think there's even a, 
a very well-known case where they had uh, medical software and people actually died because of bugs in there. I think that was a case in the United States. And so when you see all of these problems in a new field that's emerging, I think people just said, we can do better. And so over time, I think people just saw that certain situations led to code that was faulty or that was going to be time consuming or very high cost in maintaining or actually producing more bugs. And so I think over time they saw these situations, they saw the patterns happening in it and they realized that if this is happening, this is the best way of responding to that. And then over time they said, maybe instead of responding, we should, you know, prevent it from happening. And that's how software design principles came to be, at least into my understanding. There were fewer developers in that time. And so they sat together more and they were like, we have this problem, how are we going to solve this? And there's famous people, mathematicians, great thinkers that came up with these principles. And what's really cool also is that they started very low. Like what is, what is the core, the absolute core that we should understand before we can move on to some higher level principles. And so it's, it's been very interesting to see that uh, evolve as well, actually. So I would say if you, if you ask me what are design principles, they are best practices and tools emerging over time to make your software more maintainable, less bug prone and more cost efficient. You mentioned evolvement and enhancement. So when, when we think of modern web development or software development in general, it's evolving even faster every month. So you can really see how the pace is faster every day. So let's say when we need to deliver things faster, we need to learn more. How does it affect the outcome of a product in, in terms of what, what can happen if we ignore those principles, as for example, a junior developer, we ignore those principles in this fast paced world today. What can happen? Yeah, actually, it always comes down to the same thing. Somebody is going to lose a huge amount of time and money. And usually that's going to be the company you work for, right? So what happens is if you ignore these principles, your code base becomes harder and harder to maintain. It becomes harder and harder to change things. And so a side effect of that is that more bugs are probably going to pop up, right? You make your code more error prone. And so since it takes longer and longer to develop new features, it, you know, that costs money. Developers cost money, right? Nobody programs for free. Well, except of course your, your pet project, but professionally you don't code for free that, so that costs money. Also fixing and finding the origins of these bugs costs more and more time. They get more and more complex, which again costs money. And so that's the company side of it. But then you have the user base or the customer base of the product that you're developing. These people also have a business, right? And in some cases, the software that you're developing or that a company is developing is supposed to help them in their business. So people are relying on that. And while their businesses grow, their needs change. And so they're going to want new features. But if it takes very long to add new features to your software, to your code base. I mean, customers and users are going to, are going to become impatient 
they they're gonna maybe look at somewhere else they're gonna say hey this other company who provides the same services it looks like they can do it faster and better so why not mm -hmm. try them and then there's the developer side junior people might not yet have experienced the pain and the frustration <laughs> yeah. of working in a code base that's hard to understand especially when there's pressure right and, mm -hmm. and there's always going to be pressure and so that's what's going to happen your code base is going to degrade it's going to take more and more time to change it and people are going to get angry and there's going to be more pressure and it will result in losing time and losing money Mm -hmm. And this is when the management needs to explain why this technical debt is keep rising and rising. And of course, you don't see those problems in the first place. You see them most of the times later on, especially when, for example, a project takes several months, then most likely in the last month, you see the problems when you see, okay, it takes several months more to fix them. And this is a problem. I think every software developer faced such a situation already. And it is always about best practices to avoid those and learn those things. And this is, I think, a nice wrap up for principles or best practices to use, but we stick to the principles now. Is there a difference between large and small companies in terms of applying those principles, let's say in overhead, in effort, how they actually act, but uh, they should act the same, in my opinion, they just don't do it. This is actually my opinion about that. <laughs> exactly. So I would say that the lesson learned for big companies would be if only we did it right the first time, right? There's this famous talk with Randy Shoup from a big company. I forgot what company it was. And he said, and I'm trying to quote him, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, what makes you think you have time to do it two times? And I think that's a, that's a very good lesson to learn. <laughs> yeah. So I just experienced that as well, that you can have a legacy system after five years and you can have a legacy system after three months. So it is all about what your team is doing in the very beginning. So refactoring is not an excuse and is not something where you fix problems you weren't doing well in the first place. And this is where those principles come in because they are best practices, as you said in the beginning, and it's very important to respect those. Yeah, right. Oftentimes in small companies or startups, you have this problem that sometimes you don't have this expertise. Often you start with just a team of some juniors who are eager to create something and they fix it later. Okay, thank you for your insights. So. How hard is it to actually learn those things? For example, we talked about people coming from a boot camp. We, we talk about juniors or maybe seniors who are coming into the, the programming principles a little later in their career. How hard is it to learn those and master those? I would say, well, it depends. It depends. If you're on your own, it's pretty hard to learn them. And that's because software design, I think, has one big problem. And that's, you need a certain level of complexity to appreciate what software design can do for you, right? And so what happens, these principles, they are abstractions. They, you cannot give too many details on how to use them because the context in which to use them is always going to be different. And so people try to explain these principles with simple examples, but inevitably you're gonna get the question by the person who is learning them, 
why would we ever need this? I cannot see the benefit of doing this in this simple example. And so it's hard to come up with more complex examples, right? Because you have to explain the situation, you have to explain the context and it takes time. And so not many people do that. So learning these just because of that is already making it hard. Then on the other hand, on the other side, because these principles are abstractions, at least at least that's my opinion, right? It's, they are usually quite vague. And I mean, the most vague principle out there is probably the single responsibility principle, right? I think there's, for every person that is going to cite the principle and saying what it is about, you're going to have a different version of the principle. <laughs> and if you're a beginner it, and you hear these principles, they're just not going to make sense. And unless you have a mentor or a coach right by you, right? Somebody who has experience, somebody who has, you know, insights in how code is going to change and evolve. And if you have somebody like that mentoring you, that's a different story. It's still going to be hard, but you constantly have somebody next to you who's going to say, okay, we're going to take this decision because of this and this reason. And if he's really good, he's also going to say, it's this and this concept that's behind this. This is why we should take this decision right now. And so I've seen people coming from boot camps, by the way, which it was somebody that I hired. He only quote unquote had three years of experience, but he had those years of experience with a very knowledgeable architect who mentored him. I took the technical interviews. I think we saw 50 or 60 candidates pass by with different mm -hmm. levels and different years of experience. Some of them had 20 years of experience, but they could not tell me how they were going to build decent software. And then this person comes by with, you know, it was a senior role. He was applying for a senior role with only two years of experience. And we were like, okay, that's, you know, that's, it takes some guts to, to do that. And yeah, he sat there and he just explained to me how you're going to create decent software. And I was like, wow, that's really neat. And so I asked him, how come you know so much and you have this kind of insight already. And he said, yeah, it's because of my mentor. So mm -hmm. in general, I would say, yes, they are hard to understand and to learn because they're vague. It takes some complexity to appreciate what software design really is and why you would need it. But if you have somebody coaching you or mentoring, you can just skyrocket. I mean, you can just buy yourself time. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. I think you need to work in a team anyway to learn those principles well, because you need to understand that you write your code for other people. So you don't write the code for yourself. So you are just a creator for something bigger with other people inside there. So you mentioned experience. I agree. I think it takes experience or the experience from another person who's mentoring you to actually get an idea what these principles mean in terms of application in the real world. And uh, I think what I would add is team culture. So I write and talk a lot about team culture mindset. And I think you need to be willing to understand those because when you have some kind of inner resistance against those things, because you think um, it makes you slower and you have a bad work-life balance because of that. So you skip those things to be faster at home or something like that you will not learn it and you will not understand it and you will not become a successful programmer or maybe let's say a respected programmer in a team, which is then the foundation for a team culture to have 
like-minded people in a group who are all willing to learn, willing to understand and willing to learn new things and adapt those things in a team to be as a team better in what you do. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Also, what also doesn't really help, in my opinion, is dual. We have internet now, we have YouTube, and so there's a huge amount of information out there. Mm. On the other hand, there's also a huge amount of people who see the opportunity to showcase their knowledge, right? And so what happens is, or what I have seen often, is that you have people sharing information about these design principles without really explaining them. And this also, if you're new and you're trying to learn on your own, it just makes it harder because there's no insights, there's just information. People tell you how your code should look like in the end when you're done, but not how to actually get there, right? Mm -hmm. And that is information that you can get from well, either good courses or a mentor or a coach or your team members. It is to shortcut, actually, to shortcut the, the journey to become a successful programmer and a successful team. So this can be applied to a single developer because he wants to get better, or it, this applies to a manager or a CTO or a VP of engineering or whoever who wants to have a good team. So they should, you know, push the people inside their teams to learn those things. And I think coaches or consultants are a good way to go because these people or these coaches, they already learned those things. They know why those things are necessary to actually respect and implement them. And this is why I would go with the approach as well. So I think this is, this is a good way to go. I have to add that in the first decade of my career, I wasn't too much about that. So I did a lot on my own. And the problem there is just, it takes too long. In my opinion, you come to the conclusions of those principles by yourself. You can do that, but it's way more efficient to do that in a like-minded team with some kind of mentoring. Maybe it's the senior developer in the team, the principal, or just a coach from outside who's just helping the team from time to time, getting an idea of where they want to develop to. So thank you. I think regarding the time we're coming to an end but we, we talked a lot about why you should implement these things and what happens if you don't do that how can people reach out to you so that you can help them what are you offering how can people contact you and what would be the next steps if they like to step up in the game of principles all right cool i would say that they should reach out to me on linkedin for now it's my preferred way of getting in contact with people give me a pm and what I'm going to do is ask what it is that you want, right? What is your level? Are you really a junior? Do you come from a code camp? Do you have some experience already? I also have my course. I already mentioned it. I have a course on software design. It's built for people who start in the business and who want to learn about software design. I hammer on the fundamental concepts because I see a, a big knowledge gap in there. So you can go to my website, which is www.aboutcoding.be, where you will find more information about the course, but you could just also ask me. Either way is fine, actually. I offer reviewing of your code, then we sit together for maybe half an hour, and I give some pointers as, as 
especially design-wise, as, as how you can improve your structure of your code. But maybe you should look into this, maybe you should look into that. If you have questions, you can always come to me again and ask your questions. This is what I do now. In the future, actually in the near future, what I would like to do as part of having a wider range of people to coach and to mentor is doing design dojos where we have a problem case. We sit together for two to three hours and we just solve, we just come up with a design together during that time in which I will explain the decisions that I would take. I would listen to all of you and adjust and coach you in coming to a good solution. Thank you. This design dojo sounds interesting. <laughs> okay, great. So don't try to figure out those things yourself. If you're in a professional area and a professional sector, you need to be able to do this. So always think about the quality and how you can add value to your team. And this is by learning. Always learn, become an eternal learner and make the first step, get a mentor. This is always a good point to start. Thank you everyone for listening to the show today and have a nice day and a successful week.